Uh, our text today is from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 58, one verse. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Leaders, yes, we did do this at the retreat last weekend. Guess what? You were half asleep, I remember. We're doing it again. It was post-lunch sleepiness, so we're doing it again. All right. Uh, it bears repeating. Uh, if you were unaware, we are in the year 2022. And I say that because it keeps getting me by surprise. Uh, that's, in fact, where we are. Um, I was listening to something just this week about... Uh, there, there was some, something that was recorded, I should say, in 2020, in January. January 2020. And it was fascinating. It was like this little window into the past. And you're like, oh, they were so naive. <laughs> so hopeful about the world. Um, do you remember what it was like in January of 2020? Well, the, the fascinating thing about uh, that little clip that I was listening to was, in fact, that it was not a peaceful time. It actually reminded me all the stuff that was happening in the world back before the pandemic hit. Let me just, just try cast your mind back, okay, to January 2020, and I'll see if any of this rings a bell. Australia was on fire. Do you remember that? That feels like it's been entirely overshadowed by what's happened the last two years. And yet, that was entirely happening. It was an awful time for our country. Uh, that same week that Australia was on fire, the U.S. was almost at war with Iran. Do you remember that? There was, there was an attack on a U.S. embassy in Baghdad, which is in Iraq, but they thought it was the Iranian. Uh, America then retaliated with, with missiles, um, killing like top generals in the Iranian. Okay, things were tense between these two powers. Uh, in that same week, same week, okay, Australia on fire, is there going to be war in the Middle East? Uh, a passion, passenger jet in Ukraine a Ukrainian passenger jet was down in Iran, and the U.S. was blaming the Iran Iranians again. 200 people dead in a plane accident. Okay, all this is happening, and then we're getting stories from China as well. Stuff coming out of Wuhan about this actually looks pretty serious. And so, like, again, casting in mind back, back then, this, that's the first week of Jan. By the end of Jan, you also have uh, the U.K. officially left Brexit, like, just like destabilization in Europe with, with, with Brexit. Uh, Kobe Bryant dies in a helicopter crash. Like, all this happens, like, just in this, like, same little time. It was not a peaceful time in the world. Okay, so that, 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 that's what we were like before the whole thing hit. Here we are, two and a half, two years in to a global pandemic. Is it not true that it is easy to feel disheartened and just tired and just frustrated, and just like everything's harder than it has to be. Doesn't, doesn't the world just, like we just feel this in our bones, whether it's kind of the state of the world kind of level stuff, or it is just literally just day-to-day -day life. It's just taking the wind out of our sails in a lot of ways, and I'm speaking from experience here as much as anything. It's been hard two years. And now, we are staring down the barrel of another year, 2022. Here we are, it's Feb now. 
but still, we're still getting the gears grow going. The school hasn't even started yet, so that's happening tomorrow, right? So we were at the start of this year again, and we're so much behind us over the last two years, and knowing that there's so much in front of us, what we need from the Lord today, I believe, is some fresh courage. Fresh courage. We're kicking off our Roman series. We're picking up our Roman series again next week. We're spending most of the year in Romans, but today is just my last chance to just encourage you from the word. And I felt the Lord lead us into this text today. The God of heaven put 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 in the Bible for us today that we might have fresh courage for what is ahead. Fresh courage. He wants to put steel in your spine, fire in your bones to run the race well for Jesus. He really does. At this church, here's something that we believe deeply. The Lord cares about your life. He cares about your life. He cares about the small details of your life. He really does. His, his purpose, his vision for your life goes beyond what you do nine to five as a vocation. His vision for your life is bigger than that. We believe that on an individual level that he has plans and purposes for us, and we believe it on a, on a corporate church level. We believe that the Lord has things for us as a church, that he cares about what we do here. This matters to him. Did you know this year, this church turns 150 years old? This year. Okay, I love that. Thank you very much for that squeal. Um, not many things existed in Australia in 1872. Not much. This church was on this ground preaching the gospel. Isn't that awesome? I love the history that we have here. Um, later in the year, we're going to have a party about that. It's going to be great. Look forward to that. We're going to hear some stories about what the Lord has done in, in that time. Friends, I believe that God cares deeply about the next 150 years here. I really do. And I believe he has invited each of us to actually play some part in that. And that it is not in vain when it is in the Lord, our labor. And so, let's jump into this text today and hear this word of fresh courage for us uh, that the Lord has for us today, where he just, he just reminds us of the dignity of our lives and gives us honor, even though we don't feel it. Okay, so what we're going to do today is we're going to work through this, this passage in, in four parts. It's a short verse, but we're going to break it into four parts, and we're going to see what happens. Here we go. Therefore... My beloved brothers. We're going to start with the therefore my beloved brothers part. Okay. First word signals to us what? When you, when, when, if, some, if I came up to you and said, therefore, and started talking, you'd be like, hold up, hold up, hold up. What are you even talking about? Okay. We know that when someone says therefore, he's talk, he's, they're referring to a, a previous foundation on which this next thing is built, right? So before we can move on, we actually need to see what the therefore is there for. Yeah. If you're in my small group, you know that that happens all the time. What is the therefore, therefore? We're going to just jump back to verse 54 and read this passage in its context. It's the Apostle Paul speaking. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. 
O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul's saying in this passage. Right now, Jesus is doing very well for himself. He is alive and he is well. He has swallowed up death. He has victory over the grave already right now. And he is one day going to make us alive by that same power that he is alive. There is a day coming when the mortal, that's us, no one no one's here is immortal, when the mortal will put on, just like Jesus, immortality. Death will be swallowed up in victory. There's a day coming. Uh, you might notice that day hasn't come yet. It's the future of us. But on that day, death will no longer hold power. It will no longer hold sting. One day, we, we, we have this hope right now that one day we will get to experience that kind of victory with Christ. So, in Christ, we have this victory over death, and that's what the therefore is therefore, right? Right? We are, we have right now, all of this stuff is wrapped up in that word therefore. Because we have this victory in Christ, therefore, because right now you have the hope, future hope of glory, right now all of your aches and pains will be a distant memory you're experiencing right now. One day it'll all be over and we'll be ushered into a new era of life. Because of that, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and be immovable. In other words... Be what the Brisbane Broncos defense used to be, right? Be, 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 be good. Be even decent. <laughs> um, okay, let's, let's go with the rugby, rugby, um, the rugby analogy for a second. What is the job of the defense when the other guy's running at you? Yeah, don't move. Hold the line, take the hit, keep moving forwards. You stand your ground. The, the other image I have is of like a rock, fa- like a cliff face. In a storm, those deep waves that come from miles and miles and miles out, these waves, they swell, they have such power. And yet, when they hit that rock face, they just slide off. Be immovable. In the face of discouragement, be immovable. In the face of real trial, be steadfast. In the face of temptation, stand firm. In the face of hostility, hold your ground. In the face of like just disappointment, life's disappointments, be steadfast. So right now, you might be feeling weak, just weak. You might be feeling ready to throw the towel in. I don't know if you've had one of those weeks. You might have had one of those weeks where everything went wrong. And you're just like, this is just getting too hard. Jesus says to you now, through this passage, by the Holy Spirit, hold the line. Keep going. Be steadfast. Take courage. I have got you. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not letting you go. Friends, this, I think what we're seeing here, I think this is actually an image of um, what like 
mature Christianity actually looks like. We might have this picture of like, you know, the mature Christians, they're like, they're the flashy ones, impressive. No, <laughs> I don't think so. Mature Christianity is just stable and steadfast. It just endures under hardship. It just keeps going. It just keeps trusting in Jesus. It just keeps walking in faith. It is relentlessly hopeful because it has hope in the one who sits on the throne. It is patient, and yet it is also unstoppable. This is normal Christianity, stable, steadfast. And so he says, be steadfast, be immovable. Don't be moved by what's coming. Why? Because of the hope you have in the resurrection to come, because there is a day coming where you'll get to experience this victory over death. Stand your course against anything that wants to blow you off course, against whatever it is, materialism that wants you to sacrifice your integrity for money or sacrifice your family for, for that next job, whatever it is, right? Whatever these things, where these temptations are coming from to, to shipwreck your faith, stand firm against them. And do what, Paul? Point two. Or point three now, isn't it? Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What Romans last year has revealed to me is that we still, as much as we want to kind of learn what the Bible teaches about these things, we still, as Christians, have a complicated relationship with work, works, and effort, and striving, working hard for Jesus. It's still, it, we still have a bit of a complicated misunderstanding. Here, we are clearly commanded to abandon good works. It's a command of Jesus, abandon good works. The misunderstanding that I think we've, we've hit a few times and we've, we've tried to talk through in Romans is that what we keep finding ourselves doing is wanting to pit good works and grace against each other as if those two things are enemies and you have to pick one. And because we're evangelical Christians, we love the Bible, we're like, well, grace is just going to win, isn't it? We just know grace wins that argument. And yet, what are they doing fighting? Who, who put them in the ring together? They're not, you don't make friends fight each other. What, where this comes from, this, is, this has come up a few times, I think where this comes from is we are just so committed to rejecting anything that like, even just like, has a hint of legalism. We just, want to, we just want to shout that thing down, and we just reject it outright. You know, we, we, we read the Bible, we read Romans, we know we're saved by grace, through faith, not by works. And so we reject works, right? But that's not what the Bible teaches at all. Grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning favor with God. Do you see the difference between those two things? Grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Legalism is not about works it's about earning through your works favor with the lord such an important distinction to make god has absolutely given you works to do he has you are to abound in those good works and friends i'm not a legalist to point you to this verse and say yes you need to do good works as a christian that's not legalism paul's not a legalist neither is jesus when he says when they say things like when they give us commands to obey we must always remember we don't earn God's favor through our obedience. Look at the way, if Paul just articulates this in Ephesians 2, he's going to make this super clear for us. 
let's go back there and we're just going to see him articulate this wonderful, wonderful tension. Watch, watch how he holds these two things together. He says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Just in case we didn't understand what that means, he says this, This is not your doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works, so that no one may boast. He wants to make it really clear. You don't earn anything before God. Your goodness earns you no, nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's all by grace. You are saved by grace, faith, not your doing. It's all a gift. Why? So that you don't get to boast before the Lord or before others. Then watch this. He says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you see it? Crystal clear, right? Saved by grace, not by works, and yet saved for good works. Christian, abound in good works. That's why you receive grace, to abound in good works. Do you see it? Okay, look, look with me what he's saying in verse 10. I, want to, I just want to highlight a few things. First, you are the workmanship of God. He made you, you. Very much on purpose. Your uniqueness, even the quirky weird bits, is on purpose. He loves that about you. He made that part. Uh, every, even the weird things your body does. I've got a cracking jaw. It just cracks all the time. Every time I yawn, it's like crack. I showed some guys in a small group the other day, and they're like, please stop doing that. Okay, I'll try not to do that. We are his workmanship. Your gifts your talents, your aptitudes, your passions, the things that make you excited in the Lord for, they're all from Him. Through His workmanship, His craftsmanship. He put effort into making you. Didn't tire Him out, but He still thought about it. Isn't that awesome? First one. Um, you are His workmanship. Secondly, you are His workmanship created in Christ for good works. Again, grace not opposed to effort, opposed to earning. It is to fuel our effort. He made us for good works. Think about what that's saying. If we're made for good works, what happens when we run out of the good works? It's all over, right? Like we get, we get to go to heaven then, right? That's... Henry Martin is quoted as saying this. He say, he's quoted as saying, I am immortal until God's work for me here is done. Christian, you are immortal until the good works God has prepared for you are complete. And then why would you want to be here anymore? The reason he hasn't called curtains on your life right now is because he still has future works for you in store. That should encourage you. Finally, the future good works, right? Those good works have right now already been prepared for you in the future. They are out there waiting for you. They have God's fingerprints all over them. He's prepared them. He's, he's, he's made them ready for you to walk into. So right now, as I'm talking and as you're listening, the Lord has moved into that future, into that future place, that future that you're really anxious about, that one that's kind of got you a bit like, what's going to happen? All that uncertainty, all that doubt. God has moved into that future where you are anxious, and he has lined up moments for you to walk into for his glory 
for your joy. All you have to do in this equation is be faithful to the Holy Spirit, his prompting on your life. Walk in faith with your eyes open for those opportunities that he has prepared for you. Friends, your life counts. It's going to make a difference. The Lord will make sure that's the case. You can, you can absolutely count on that. I don't know about you, but when I meditate on these verses, as I have done this last week or two, I reckon I could do just about anything when I think about these verses. Walk through a brick wall? Why not? If Jesus has prepared that work for me, then it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay, right? Like, what can go wrong here if the Lord has gone ahead of me? It's a bad example because that's impossible, but who knows? He does miracles. So, friends, 2022, another year, another year of following Jesus, another year of following him by faith, walking into these good works. It's another year of, of serving Jesus, living your life for his glory in all things. It's another year of endurance, another year of enduring some real difficulties that are really coming. Let's not pretend that life is going to be easy this year. It's not. I can guarantee you this year, you're going to get tired. You're going to get worn out. There's going to be days you're exhausted and you just want to lie in bed. Just in this moment of like clarity and air conditioning and silence, just want to ask yourself a question. Is me being tired from doing good works really all that bad? Is that really something to be so afraid of? What else would you want to do with your life? What else would you want to do with your life than live a life that actually counts for Jesus, fueled by his grace? It's going to be hard, but he will be with you. So, friends, abandon good works. God is never going to call us to abandon something that we don't have the opportunity to actually abandon, right? It's pretty obvious to say, let me now give you some ultra-practical examples of maybe what good works look like for you. I'm trying to make a list of like categories of good works in the Bible. We could be here for like weeks, but I boil it down to seven. Seven good works, both commended and commanded in Scripture that Christians walk in. What I want you to do is to try and pick your top two from these good works for you to lay hold of and to commit before the Lord to pursuing in your own walk with Jesus. We've got a couple of Bible verses for each. Let's go. Ready? Some good works. If you're wondering, what is a good work? Here's seven of them. Pick two. Here we go. Encourage one another in Christ. We are told again and again and again and again to encourage one another in Christ. Hebrews 3, verse 13. Encourage one another. So I'm talk, this, he's talking to us Christians, okay? Remember that. Encourage one another every day as long as it is called today. That's every day. That's his point, right? Every time it's called today, make sure you encourage someone. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, 
but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Are you looking for opportunities to encourage one another? I just want you to just remember this when it comes to encouragement. You have never met another human being who has been too encouraged. You've never met that person that has been like, I just, I need no one to, to tell me about how good Jesus is and that I should remember to have faith today. You've never met that person. Everyone in this room and everyone you ever meet will be blessed by your encouragement in Christ. I promise you that. So, looking for somewhere to do this? Guess what? Small groups are starting. <laughs> one, of the, one of the reasons we do small groups is not just so you can learn about the Bible better or that you might be blessed yourself, but that you might have the opportunity to encourage others in Christ that they might be blessed simply by your presence and your prayers. That's number one, encourage one another. Number two, serve one another with your gifts. Serve one another with your gifts. Here we go, Mark 10, 43. Whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be slave to all. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's our king, the servant king. Philippians 3, 2 verse 3. I'll try to do this without singing the song that I have in my head about this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or, or, or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but to the, rather to the interests of others. Galatians 5.13. This is a good one. They're all good, but this one's a good one. For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh or for selfishness. But serve one another through love. Friends, Christian freedom is one of the greatest impulses to serve. You must remember that. 1 Peter 4.10. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Again, we are all wired differently. We are his workmanship. We're all got different gifts. But the Lord tells us we are to steward those gifts and to use them to serve others. We are to have a heart of service in this world. Hey, guess what? Let me give you one opportunity it's team sign-up time, guys, if you'd like to serve, right? There's opportunities here. Let's, let me just also make the, say the obvious thing. Let's not make the mistake of saying, I'm on a church roster, therefore my life of service is over, right? It's like, no, that's just one way, one, one facet of your life in which you are to serve. But all of life is to be one of service if we're, if we're a Christian. But there's this one opportunity as well. Plenty of teams there. Number three, be generous and open-handed. With your money. Acts 20, verse 35, says this, remember the, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, because he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's Jesus speaking. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, 
not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. So notice in there, when it comes to giving, whether tithing to the church or other good works, we're not to do it under compulsion, but cheerfully. Our attitude with giving is important because it's worship. Okay? Each person should do as he's decided in his heart. So it's between the Lord and yourself. But we're not to be reluctant or under compulsion, but cheerful. And, watch this caveat as well, he says, God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. What he's saying is that when you're generous, God's going to look after you. That's what he's saying there. I think these verses kind of speak for themselves. Uh, To quote, not to, to paraphrase, I should say, Jesus, he likes to point out on occasion that our wallets reveal what we really worship. Where our money goes reveals what it is we actually care about. A Christian is someone who has received infinite grace from from God, even though we're undeserving. Because of that, we must respond with open-handed living, with everything, not just money. Open-handed people. That's what we are to be because we have received, so we are to freely give. Look, maybe for you this means you should consider child sponsorship, those in poverty. We're an affluent country. We have often money to spare. The Lord has given us that good work. At this church, we have a partnership with Compassion, and we love Compassion. We sponsor a whole bunch of kids as a church. Maybe that's a good work you should consider before the Lord. Maybe for you this means regular giving to the church to support the work of the gospel in this, in this local church. That's a good, that is a good work. That's going to take a sacrifice. But it is a good work. Let me just maybe, just before we move on to the next one, have one little caveat for my, like, my type A budget type, my budget-loving brothers, my people, right? Um, generosity is never financially prudent. You, if you're a budgeter, will always be able to find financial reasons why you shouldn't be generous. Because, by, gener- by definition, generosity is what? Leaving you with less. This isn't a transaction, right? This is why, when we give, we must give in faith. Every time we give, it is a sacrifice. It just is. So for those people, just remember that. Number four, share your faith with others. First Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the, uh, asks you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Friends, that is a privilege. We have been called his ambassadors. God's making his appeal through the church, through, through, through his Christians. Let's remember that. We, he has left us with an incredibly clear mandate. When he returns, he is going to have us give an accounting for what we have done with our lives in front of this mandate. So we are to spend our lives spreading the gospel to as many people as we we can talk to. Let's remember this good work in our lives that we represent him wherever we go. Number five, outward-focused prayer. Outward-focused prayer. Timothy 2.1 says this, Pray for all of... uh, First of all, I urge you, 
First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all peoples, for kings, and all who are in high positions. We should pray for our leaders. Um, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. He says, pray. Pray. He, he, three, four types of prayer. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings. For everyone. Uh, Ephesians 6, verse 18. Pray at all time in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for the saints. Pray all the time. Pray for everyone and everything. But make sure you persevere in praying for the saints, the church, especially the persecuted church. That's a good work. It's a good work. Have you ever received, heard bad news, maybe watching the news and there's some horrific thing or maybe someone in your world has had something really horrific go down. You've heard this bad news, and your first instinct is just, just absolute sorrow, but then that like sense of helplessness. What can I do? There's nothing I can do. This thing's happened. I can't do anything, right? I'm sure you all know that sense of helplessness that I'm talking about, right? You're never helpless. You can pray. The world loves to mock us for this don't they? Christians, you know, thoughts and prayers, you know, how like it's become like code for like tokenism. It's like, I don't want to do anything. But thoughts and prayers, right? The world loves to mock us for this, but Christians, you know better. Don't let that stop you. Pray, 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 pray. You are never helpless. I'll give you a little plug here for our Thursday prayer meeting. Come pray. Come pray. Thursday at lunchtime on Zoom. Number six. Be hospitable to others. We're almost there, guys. You're doing really well. First um, Peter 4, 9. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Romans 15, verse 7. Therefore, I love this, therefore welcome one another. Just as Christ welcomed you to the glory of God. Welcome one another just as Christ welcomed you. Hospitality in the Bible, just, just quickly, is not about food. It includes food. But hospitality in the Bible is about love of the stranger. That's what it's about, love of the stranger. It's about drawing near to the person you don't know and welcoming them into your house, your life. In this church, would we grow in our hospitality towards the stranger? I think in all, in all the Western countries, but Australia especially, this is a massive cultural blind spot. We, are, we live such closed lives. We must fight against that and do this good work as a church. Why? Because that's how Christ came to us. He came to us with openness. He welcomed us in. Finally, work hard at your job. Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. This includes your job. As to the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12. We urge you, brothers... Do this more and more and aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. It's a Christian virtue to work hard, look after yourself, and not depend on other people, if you can, obviously. When it comes to the old, the sick, obviously. But when it comes to just laziness, this is about laziness in particular. What about this one, Ephesians 4, 28? Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, 
Why? So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Work hard. It is a Christian virtue, as is, by the way, rest. As is rest. All right. Those are seven works. Encourage, serve, be generous, share your faith, prayer, hospital, hospitable, hospitality, that's the word, and work hard. Let's get to our last, our last one, our last point. Be steadfast, be immovable, abandon good works. Because of the hope of the resurrection, keep going. Because in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. In the Lord, your labor is not in vain. This is such good news. This is such good news. I sometimes see my life in such worldly lenses, and I just sometimes I'm just like, am, am I, is my life doing anything? This verse is an incredible source of comfort to me. Can I just point out the obvious implication of this text, though? Notice the implication. In the Lord, nothing is in vain. Implication here, outside of the Lord, there is going to be some serious striving that is entirely in vain. How could it be otherwise, right? Without Christ, what can we really do for eternity? What can we actually accomplish on our own? Jesus tells us, right? Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't think Jesus is overstating here. I don't think he's using hyperbole. He means this. You can do nothing without him. That'll last eternity. In the Lord, on the other hand, your works, your good works, your labors, your prayers, your sacrifices, the ones that no one sees, they register in the scheme of eternity. They will stand forever. Those things, they are not in vain. Your labors, they count. Your sacrifices that you make for Jesus, they count. Your sufferings, they count. Your prayers, they count. Your showing up and continuing on in faith, your, your desiring to love people in the Lord's strength day by day, it all counts. It really does. It always feels like it doesn't. Almost always feels like it doesn't. But the Lord says it counts. So we must take that promise by faith. It is not in vain. It's not in vain. So finally, for those of us here who have yet to receive Jesus and have yet to kind of uh, begin this journey with Christ, this is what is on offer. One of the many, many, many treasures in Christ that we have. This is what's on offer. Your life can matter. Your life can matter. That is good news. Your life can matter in the scheme of eternity. It is, he's not promising you an easy life. We don't get that promise. We get sick, followers of Jesus. We have all the same difficulties in this world than anyone else does. But he gives us a life worth living. And he gives us the strength to get through by his spirit. It's a good gift. So, friends, look, if that's you, and you get to receive that gift from Jesus, can I just encourage you today? It can be today. You can, you can start living a life today that will register for eternity. It's only found in him. It's received by faith, not by your works. So today, 
Open the empty hands of faith. Receive his grace. Receive his forgiveness. Receive this new life from him. Therefore, my brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, bounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in Christ, in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the fresh courage that your word speaks to our souls. We ask now, Lord, by faith, that you would empower our efforts, empower our striving, Lord, empower our works. Lord, would we keep on guard against legalism, Lord? Would we always remember that we earn nothing? from our sacrifices. Lord, that we have no reason ever to boast before you. We've been saved by grace through faith. And yet, Lord, we have been saved for good works. Show us. Show us each right now in this room, Lord, and those watching online, Lord. Show us what works specifically this week you want us to abandon and then give us the grace to to follow you in faith Lord for those of us in this room who have yet to receive your grace for ourselves Lord who have um, or have had a maybe a rocky journey Lord and, and don't know exactly right now where we stand before you Lord I pray for those folk right now Lord they would hear your invitation to life and life to the full, as you say in John 10. Life and life to the full, Lord. Lord, would you give them boldness to approach you in prayer and confession? Lord, and, and faith to receive that good gift, fellowship with you. Lord, we pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.